Hi, this is John Hall. And this is Kathy Emmons. And we're from 101.5 Ward FM. And you've just fallen into the Theology Theology Pit. All right, everyone, welcome back to The Theology Pit. This is Theology Out of Pittsburgh, and not to be confused with a bottomless pit, because you know what we say, when you fall into a bottomless pit, you die of dehydration. I'm, of course, your host, Samson Kovach here, coming to you just north of Pittsburgh, and I wanted to do a Theology Pit here, a a podcast, and kind of talk about a few different things. I'm actually going to be changing up the way that I do The Theology Pit. Now, we, in the past, have done series before where you know I would pick a topic and then I would just talk it to death analyze it to death if you went through the series on you know the justification aspect of salvation which was the very first one that we did here in you know this well I guess well I guess this is the newer version of the theology pit this is like theology pit like 2.0 uh, but it's you know, uh, I guess just the second iteration of it and the way that we've been doing it. And then I did another one on the, uh, the Bible and I just kind of, you know, talked that, that was a lot that was in there. It was like 20 hours or something. Now listening back to them and, you know, getting feedback and everything, I, uh, this stuff can be overwhelming. And whenever you're talking about theology, especially, and the subtle nuances that theological, concepts can take sometimes you're going to be listening and i'm going to say something and boy it's going to put you in the thought and then you're going to be like oh wait i just missed the last like five or ten minutes of what he said because i was thinking about the other thing totally get it so i might do series like that again and if i do I, I might just put it out in um, like a bigger like podcast, which is a podcast like segment, like a whole bunch at one time, sort of like how like Netflix does, like a whole bunch at one time, or like keep it like that. But I want to change up the format of the theology pit here just a little bit more, in you know just talking theology. How do we do theology every day? What does that look like? And different like theological concepts, taking things from the news, maybe things from like social media, and just kind of saying, okay, theologically, how do we deal? with this where do we get those ideas not exactly apologetic in nature not exactly evangelistic in nature but just you know things that yeah i think the theology pit should discuss i mean it's so far it's been extremely academic and i kind of want to get back off from that um not like completely abandon it. I mean, of course, we're going to do academic stuff. And if you have been tuning in for academic reasons, um, you know, don't worry. I'm still going to have that going on also. But I do want there to be this extra layer of content. And I think that this is going to be extremely beneficial for us in, in doing it because, you know, part of the problem with doing a ministry like the theology pit is that, boy, you can really get bogged down in a lot of the details. Um, you can get bogged down in, you know, all of the really neat rabbit trails you can go off because I find a lot of, uh, history fascinating, not only natural history, but theological history, church history, creedal history. And I just, I love researching that stuff. I love looking at it and like talking about it and all sorts of things like that. But it's also another level, you know, when, when we when we do theology that has a very, you know, okay, that's great, but so what, you know, I mean, what, how, how does this apply to my life? How does this make me think? Why, you know, why even bother? And something interesting that that happened, and I've I've made comments about this 
in in the past, uh, maybe not on the theology pit, but to pastors and you know churches that I've been in, and I've I've always been probably in the last oh seven eight nine years maybe maybe ten years. I guess uh, I've been really heavy in, into discipleship and you know teaching programs like the theology program, teaching Bible studies, uh, that sort of thing to grow Christians to help them after they've you know recognized Christ as their Lord and Savior. Okay, and then it was like, well, what's the next step? That's where they would kind of come to me, you know, as as you know, I would be kind of this next step thing and in, in helping them understand theology. Um, I also I volunteer with children, of course, um, as I'm, I th- I'm pretty sure I've talked about on this program before. And I do the same thing with them. I'm, I'm discipling them. Um, I disciple my own children. We, you know, we did a, um, um, a study today on, on salvation and just kind of getting an overall, you know, bird's eye view of, of what salvation is and what it entails. And, and that was fun. But uh, so, so discipleship's always been, you know, kind of the heart you know, that I've always had in ministry like that. I just feel that that's my calling and looking back on my life. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've spent a lot of time in the worship ministry and I, I still do that. And, um, you know, teaching ministry and discipleship, that is really what I love to do. I mean, I, I love being on worship teams, I love playing worship music. Don't get me wrong, but really, if you if you gave me my choice, you know, somebody asked me what would you do if you had all the time in the world and no responsibilities. My first thing that I said was, I would like to write and and teach and study. And then my secondary thing was, oh, and play music, you know. And I was it kind of surprised me that you know play music was 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 secondary because I absolutely love doing that. And I love, you know, leading people in, in worship in church. I, I just find that to be, uh, you know, a, a fantastic blessing and an honor that, you know, I, God's given me the ability and the, um, the opportunity to do that. Uh, teaching, though, that gets to be a little bit stickier, especially discipleship. I mean, if you walk into any church and say, I have a calling for discipleship, I want to teach. Oh, man, they, I mean, they rightly should rake you over the coals to find out what you believe, what you're going to teach, what you're going to think, like those sort of things. And I have no problem doing that. But sometimes some of the things that I say and the way that I uh, talk and some of the ideas that I have, as you've heard through the theology pit, if you um, are not a you know an active theologian and what i mean by that is somebody that's actively studying theology somebody that's you know kind of really immersed in it talks the language understands the concepts does that sort of thing uh it can go over your head and let's say that you're an elder in a church and um you aren't very steeped in theology or maybe you're someone who thinks that you're steeped in theology but all you really know is the particular theological talking points of the denomination that you're in somebody like me walks up to you and you're immediately like you know what I would rather not deal with this person I mean I've I've done stuff where I've gone to churches and I've I've said hey you know I want I have this this program uh, to teach systematic theology which is a type of the a type of theology, a theological discipline uh, known as systematic theology, um, 
And the first question I get is, well, you know, where is it from? What is the background of it? What is the denominational bias that it has? Because everyone assumes that, you know, any type of theology that's done is a polemic theology, which means that it's warlike and you're going to go to battle. You're learning this stuff to go to battle against other Christians, against other you know, beliefs rather than apologetics, which is, you know, theology that you learn to then go out and, um, you know, work with other people outside of the faith to bring them in the faith. And I, I tell them, well, it's, it's, it's very broad denominationally. It's broad evangelical and it's, it's very broad apologetically. Uh, it's, it's done in an ironic fashion, which means I try to accurately represent all the views, even if I'm opposed to them. And I think that you've seen that and heard that in the Theology Pit podcast how I do get into other denominations and what they think and what they believe and why, because, you know, in contrast, there's clarity, and I believe that that's extremely important. Um, But somebody hears that, and they're like immediately, no, no, I don't want you teaching something that we don't agree with, even if it is for a contrasting principle, or if you are going to teach it, I want you to really stress why it's wrong. And I'm not necessarily going to do that. I'm going to say, here are the problems with it. And this is why this group would have a problem with it and that group. And hey, if you're part of a tradition, as everybody is, you got some problems. Okay, we all do. And, you know, this type of discipleship, so then it's immediately like, no, we want it from this point of view and, and that's it. And that limits the ability of you know, certain types of teachers within the community. A lot of people do not want to deal with that. They're, you know, they they say, no, we want, um, we want a certain dogma taught. We want a certain, um, theological bent taught and we want indoctrination done. And, you know, I mean, indoctrination is fine for children. Okay. And what I mean by that is you are telling the child what to believe. Okay. You are doing that because when they get older, then, you know, you can teach them why we believe what we believe. But if you start early on with a child, for example, and and this is, I'll talk a little apologetics here. I mean, there are different kinds of apologetics. There's evidential apologetics, incremental apologetics, eclectic apologetics, and um, uh, apologetics that's done, I almost said, uh, you know, premeditated apologetics, but I guess they, they all would. But um, it's a, wow, it's, 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 it's escaping me now. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't, I can't think of the word. Um it's a presumptional uh, apologetics. It'll it'll come to me while I'm talking. Um, but anyways, uh, you know they would say that no, there's a certain type of apologetics that we have to do, and you know you don't want to sit there with incremental apologetics with children. For example, you don't want to start off with the concept of truth with a child. You don't want to get into um, you know, different kinds of probabilities, um, infinite, you know, infinites, uh, in, in concepts, uh, syllogisms, uh, talking about the, the difference between subjective, objective, relative, uh, truth when it comes to truth claims, 
uh, proofs, whether they be empirical, mathematical, logical, moral, you know, all those different, uh, all those different truths. You don't want to sit there talking about the teleological argument for the existence of God, the cosmological argument for the existence of God, the uh, necessary being argument, you know, for the existence of God, the Kalam. Uh, argument for God, the cosmological argument for God. No, you just want to tell them about about God. You don't need to get into all the subtle nuances of you know, Socratic thought and Socratic teaching of you know, we're going to figure this out together, moving up incrementally. You kind of want to get to the nuts and bolts of it, okay? And the concept of God will come later. So, you're indoctrinating by just saying God or just saying Jesus. Uh, And then talking about the attributes of our triune God or talking about the attribute. I mean, you don't say to the child, you don't sit there and go through the history of the hypostatic union and explaining, you know, what exactly Jesus is, that we believe that he's truly God and truly man. You just say that Jesus is both God and man, that he is God in human flesh. And, you know, you, you work through it like that, and that's that's an indoctrination process. With adults, though, it's different. I don't think that you should indoctrinate adults, nor should you try to indoctrinate adults. Okay, um, Adults should have critical thinking skills. In America here, they don't. That's why we have so many atheists to be honest, is because we don't have critical thinking skills. We don't have philosophy. Um, Most atheists can't tell a bad philosophical argument from a good philosophical argument. If they did, then Richard Dawkins would not sell as many books as he does. But the problem is, is that they can't. And I mean, Richard Dawkins, he may have, you know, a doctorate degree, um, but it is not a doctorate degree in philosophy. And you look at some of his philosophical arguments, and it's not just me, but other philosophers like... Like Alvin Plantinga has have looked at his arguments and said that you know that they would say that they're sophomoric, but that would insult sophomores because even like you know philosophy one hundred and one class can destroy um, Richard Dawkins' arguments. And the same goes with uh, Daniel Dennett and Sam Harris and and the rest of them. And most atheists, um, they there's a lot of fallacious arguments that go out. But it's interesting because it's like this weird like echo chamber of ignorance that goes back and forth. And not just on like, you know, an unbeliever side, but also on the believer side. They just pass back and forth these really bad arguments and really, um, you know, just terrible things that... Uh, that that pass as 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 you know valid um presuppositional apologetics that was the one presupposing presuppositional apologetics and that's what um you know so a lot of christians engage in presuppositional apologetics because mostly because of romans one you know that um you know romans one that says you know that um the god i'm paraphrasing it here but that god has made uh clear to them Uh, what is known of his power and his greatness, pretty much saying that the universe and everything around us is evidence for the existence of God. And mankind knows that. And, you know, they may seem wise, but they're foolish. Now, that really has a grounding in Platonic thought and Stoic philosophy. And that was the predominant philosophy of the time. So, I mean, unless you're talking to someone that 
actually has studied philosophy, actually has thought these things out on the nature of man, the constitution of man, um, and and on the the concept of the logos of the divine of um, you know what uh, Plato viewed as like you know the 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 four roughly um, you know, aspects of man, the, the the four truths that Stoic philosophy is like built on that then Paul's referring to in that. Well, then you can't presuppose it, and I and I'm I know people are going to get mad at me for that, and you know I, I'm sorry, but when you do proper hermeneutics, proper art and science, biblical interpretation, and in interpreting the Bible, that's part of it. Looking at the original audience, like who it's for, and you know who it's written for, and what were they thinking? What was the psychology that they had, and and that's part of it. So. You know, you do presuppositional apologetics technically with children when you're indoctrinating them, but incremental or evidential apologetics is what you need to do with people who really don't have any idea of what you're talking about. And in America today, we have no idea about the concept of truth. We have no idea how to look at um, you know, arguments for God's existence. How, you know, if you sit down with an, with an atheist, I mean, okay, an atheist will, will, will put things up that say, for example, um, they'll have a meme. They, they love memes because memes are easy to understand. It conveys a thought. Even if that thought is wrong, it's clever and it's rememberable. And therefore, they think if it's clever, if it's memorable, I put it on Facebook, I get enough likes in my echo chamber, I guess I'm right. But they'll put one up of, you know, some, uh, you know, Aborigine Bushman or something with a bone through their nose and, you know, all these like, you know, bones around them and all this stuff and, you know, them dressed colorful and jumping up and down. And saying, and they'll say, once you tell me why their God doesn't exist, then you can tell me, you know, all about your God. Or once you tell me why their God doesn't exist, that's exactly why I don't think your God doesn't exist. And it's like, wow, there are so many problems with those presuppositions, with those assumptions, as though every concept of everything in any category is exactly the same. Right. There's only one flavor of ice cream. Well, it's all ice cream. Okay. Is is yogurt ice cream? You know, I mean, you're looking at frozen desserts and you're saying every frozen dessert is a fudge sickle. And it's like, no, that's that's not it. There's there's different reasons behind this. So what you need to do is you say, okay, I can tell you why, you know, the concept of what they believe as a God is not the same as the concept of what I believe as a God. Okay. And this then gets you into the conversation, but a lot of people just throw their hands up and say, well, yeah, I guess you're right. Or hup, see, you know, Christians have the same idea. No, they don't. If you think that Christians have the same idea of a God, or if there is only this one God concept that everybody believes, find a Muslim and tell them that they're practically Christians. Any good Muslim will be like, no, we're not. Our Quran tells us that we're not. Why? Is there a difference? Well, they would say, yes, Christians actually believe Jesus Christ is God. We don't believe that, which means right there you have two different concepts of what constitutes godness. And the fact that you didn't even take the time to think about that or to look at that before you you know, espoused that or shared that on Facebook or did that shows that there is zero level of thought actually goes into an atheist concept or an atheist argumentation. 
Now, there are some atheists that are more well-educated that would never say that kind of stuff. There are some atheists that would say, look, there is a difference between Muslims and Christians. We know that. Difference between their religion. We know that. Even a difference between their God. We know that we still say that there is no God. And that you know, is a fair enough claim because they're actually taking that one more step. And so when incremental apologetics are used, it has to be done incrementally because the concept of godness that you're presenting for the Christian God, that needs to have a stair-step understanding unless they have a background in philosophy and Platonic thought you know, stoic understanding, even moving towards a type of Gnosticism. Uh, without that, then a lot of the presuppositions that you may have, they don't hold to. And you can't just write, I mean, there's a lot of ways as Christians that we get around it. I mean, if you're you know, holding to a predestination understanding, and not to knock that at all, I'm not knocking any of these uh, doctrines, but how easy is it? Uh, and I made this point in the last sermon uh, that I that I gave at my church, I said, listen, how easy is it for us to just walk away from somebody or not witness to somebody or not do evangelism or not do discipleship because we use the cop-out argument of, well, if they have been predestined by God, he will put someone in their path. As though we're not a someone that God is putting in their path. You know, it's like, you know, you put people in my path that I'm not equipped to deal with. I have to rely on God. I have to rely on the Holy Spirit in order to, you know, engage in that because I can't rely on myself. It is actually impossible for me to rely on myself because I don't know how uh, to go about doing it. That's not my area of expertise. It's not my ministry. It's not what I have to do. But check this out. I went to a uh, roundtable discussion last night at my church. Okay. And it was, I I missed the first week. It was a two-week thing that was happening, and it was on social justice uh, within the church. How does the church do social justice? And the reason why I went is because I follow local media, I follow local politics, and I, you know, and I've I've done a lot of reading in history, and, you know, and I, I, I try to stay abreast of what's going on. And social justice, in my opinion, is if you have a modifier before a word, it changes what that word is. So let's take the word justice. You know, what is the concept of justice? Uh, well, justice is an, you know, a, a measurement of right and wrong. Okay. It's, it's a form of order within society where there may not be absolutes, but there are degrees of probability that, you know, go with these absolutes, you know, Murder is wrong. If you murder somebody, there is a punishment that is required, and that is a form of justice. Now, there becomes degrees of this, which is why we have murder in the first degree, second degree, third degree, manslaughter, those sort of things, because things happen. Just because you did something that caused the death of somebody else that does not automatically constitute murder. Okay. Sometimes it could be negligence and then that would be manslaughter. Sometimes it would be, you know, a fit of rage. Okay. Sometimes if it was premeditated, you know, and there are different degrees. I mean, we all understand that, right? I mean, we, we all, we all get that. Now, when you put the word social in front of it, what you're saying is that 
this is justice that has to be done because of a wrong in society. And therefore, the punishment is not based on the actions that, you know, the, the actions that the person did, but based on the collective of what we say this person represents. And therefore, we are punishing this person for the, you know, the problems, the crimes of society, which is wrong. Okay, that's not justice. So when you put this modifier in front of it, you know, that's what happens. Uh, liberation theology is, uh, deals with this. And that's the concept of that the church has to be the one that is righting the wrongs within society. Very popular in South America. And, you know, it, it is that, you know, the church has to fight the government, has to fight on behalf of the people, has to use its political clout in order to, uh, you know, push an agenda. Okay, that is a liberation theology to free the people, to stand up for them, to fight for them. Is that the church's place in the world? Some people say yes, some people say no. I would say no. It most certainly is not. You know, I mean, we're to, I think that personally, we're to influence society. We are not to control society. You know, I mean, there, you cannot instill, I've said, I think I said this before, you cannot instill a theocracy. Okay. A theocracy, it can only be instilled by God. It's, you can't go out and do it. You know, um, you, we're not called to do that. It's not what we're supposed to do. But if you notice the Pope that we have right now, Pope Francis, he was a Pope that was chosen from South America. First thing that I thought whenever I heard the Pope was chosen from South America, get ready for liberation theology. He's going to inject himself into politics. He's going to inject himself into social causes. He's going to inject himself into social justice. And that's exactly what he's doing right now. He has been doing from the time he became Pope total social justice. So I go to this thing last night and that's kind of what I'm expecting because that's what social justice is. And what is the Christian community? Well, I'm going to hear a lot of liberation theology. And you know what? I didn't. What I heard were three different people representing three different ministries in the area talking about outreach and discipleship. Outreach and discipleship has become such a novel concept within our churches that we rename it social justice and we actually have a panel of group to come and talk to people about how to do quote unquote social justice and it was nothing more than outreach and discipleship it was evangelism and discipleship I didn't hear those words at all I don't think one time I heard the word discipleship I heard the definition of it all night long I heard the concepts of it, community, um, caring for people, helping people out, bringing them into this community, teaching them, growing them, teaching them how to teach other people, help other people, doing all things. Yeah, discipleship and outreach. It's sad. We don't have disciples. This is, this is one of the biggest problems of the church. And maybe the theology pit is pro- uh, you know, a part of this problem because everything that I've done has just been so academic. And so hey, here, here's what's teaching. Here's what's, but if you're not taking this and applying it to your life and then going out and telling other people and helping them, well, then what good is it doing? And that's why I want to start doing more stuff like this where I talk about the problems in the church, talk about what I'm seeing and say, hey, no, go out and do this. I mean, okay, so we did this big study on justification. What do you, what'd you take away from it? What was the big point? You know, I mean, if, if, if you listened 
to everything that I've ever done on justification, read everything that I've ever done on justification. I'm actually writing a book right now. It's what I've been doing throughout the summer. My pastor has been encouraging me to uh, write a book about this topic, and that's that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, I have a couple couple chapters done, but it's, it's going to be based on the series through there. If you don't understand the concept of the role of faith within our salvation, then I... May, the whole I think the whole thing I did was was pointless or it went by too fast there was too much information to absorb even though there was like 22 23 hours worth of discussion of topics that I was talking through and I think I went through a lot of it just way too fast you know uh, in the way that I was discussing it but here let me see if this sticks for you um, our faith is not sufficient for justification. How does that hit you? I mean, if you went through all that, do you sit there and say, well, yeah, of course it doesn't. I understand that. Or is it just like, whoa, wait, no, because the Bible clearly says, you know, you have to have faith and the Bible says you have to believe this. And we always say justification by faith alone and you have to have faith. And every systematic theology that I've ever read on, uh, you know, on justification talks about, no, we have to have faith and it's our faith. And every creed out there says that we have to have faith and every um, confession that we read, you know, has to have faith. We have to have faith. You have to have faith or you're not saved. It's, uh, it's your faith. It's faith, 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 faith. And if you're doing that, and you're and you're sitting there going, and I'm going, wait a minute. We discussed that salvation has a past, a present, and a future. Justification simply tells us what God says about us. Sanctification is the setting apart. That's where our faith is active. If you all those thoughts just went through your head and you you know yelling right now at whatever you're listening to this through because i just said that you know faith our faith cannot justify us it it can't it's impossible and that it's the faithfulness of christ that justifies us then you know what I did. This was not a very good medium. I mean, it's a decent medium. It's it's you know. I think it works well, but I don't think that the heaviness of the content that I'm doing, you know, that that this medium is the best. It's it's almost like whenever I um, uh, I don't know, talk trying to talk to somebody on Facebook. Do you ever try to do that? Getting into a discussion on on Facebook or any other type of social media or Twitter where you only have so many characters to explain it. And if they're relying on, you know, the the ignorance of, of, of people to get a little joke in and then therefore, you know, they're right and you're wrong. Uh, I mean, that's that's a horrible meeting, medium for doing it because some things take a lot longer to explain for people to understand. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Theology Pit. Do us a favor and check out our website at samsonstick.com. Tell us what you like or what you don't like and consider making a donation. Just send a buck to show your appreciation. It's more than just money. To us, it's an encouragement. samsonstick.com. Thanks again. Now back to the show. You know, I really didn't want this uh, podcast episode to go this long. I want I want to do them in smaller like podcasts because I am just gabbing, I am just talking, I am just ranting here about you know about just stuff that's on my mind, and I, you know, I don't want this to be 
you know, like a, a podcast where it just kind of bounces around all over stuff. I want it to be smaller. I want you to be able to listen to stuff and like, you know, and, and think over some things real quick. I don't want it to be a huge hour long thing or whatever. And I'm already a half hour in. I'm going to cut it off here. Uh, I, I, you know, I think that this will be a good amount of time you know, to, to listen to him and try not to rant like way too much on it. But, um, you know, if you, uh, would like to go to samsonstick.com, donate to the page, I'd really, really appreciate it. Um, I may do a little bit more on Patreon. I don't know. Uh, you know, put stuff up as, you know, if you're a sponsor, um, getting you out, you know, chapters of the book as they come out, uh, maybe, you know, bigger sponsors get, you know, thanks in the book, that sort of thing. But uh, any topics, of course, that you have, any questions that you have, shoot me, uh, email samson at samsonstick.com. And it's always appreciated. Thank you for all the feedback. And now I am definitely going to close down the pit. Thank you.